0: So,
1: welcome. Week three, fish week. Yeah, welcome um, back to the Economy podcast. It was a bit of a weird one this week, Tal, right? Yeah. It was the weather. Everything was against us. Everything
0: went wrong. It was one thing after another. But we had a great time in the end. Yeah,
1: and we made it through. And so we just thought we'd spend a bit of time talking about not giving up and powering through, and when you're faced with challenges, like, just to keep going. It almost became funny how, how many things could go wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I remember when I said, if I
1: wasn't laughing now, I'd be crying, so am I <laughs> Yeah. Instead of cry. And then (laughs) (laughs) it's just funny, isn't it? Like that, the whole two weeks before, I hadn't been in a great space mentally. And, you know, I think it's really important to acknowledge that some people do battle with uh, mental health issues and, um, it's really good to work through those and have a support network. And you were such an amazing support network for me when I wasn't. And you had no idea.
0: You know, going I mean, through stuff. When we met and we decided to work together, we'd have no idea whether we would be. I mean, whether
1: we would get on yeah. or like work, you know, whether we would get on, whether we'd be able to work with each other. And actually, what's come out of um, us doing this project together is a really. Nice friendship and a really beautiful friendship, and having um, a support network. Yeah. And I don't think we would have got through that Sunday if, if it wasn't for each, <laughs> if it wasn't for each other. Just, how much does the weather affect your mood? I know. God, all of my friends and like loads of people messaging me being like, "Oh, I felt so crap this week because the weather." It just went. It was just felt dark, and then you get a little tiny bit of sun. None of the room. Goes, oh yeah. But it was good, and we did it, and I'm really, really proud of us. Um. And, you know, the silver lining is we learnt a lot from it. And actually, my biggest fear, personally, is things not going to plan. Like, things not being perfect and things not going to plan. And obviously, in the real world, you cannot plan for everything to be perfect yeah. at all. They were all things out of our reach. Yeah. And it was good. And we battled through it. And it was fucking amazing. And we had amazing guests. And the food was so good. And I know that you are like... I had a drama on the day
0: because I practiced this dish at home. Well, actually, my mum's home. And I fed it to her many times. She is probably sick to death of Kedgeri. <laughs> but um, I did it at home. And obviously, when I was doing it at home, I wasn't cooking it for eight people. I yeah. was cooking it for two. And then when I timed it all up and used Pip's oven rather than mine, you know, Hobbs are not used to, induction not gas, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff... And I just had that moment where you just want to bury yourself in a hole because rice isn't cooking and you think it's supposed oh, yeah. to have done and all that
1: kind of stuff. And anyway, I think we pulled through and it was all fine. A little bit of waiting, but we got there in the end. I know. And I could see that you were panicking and I was just like, Don't <laughs> worry, like I'm I'm here for well, you. I mean to be honest, thank like, God I was
0: going, Thank God this isn't twenty really scary people. It is six
1: really positive, helpful women they are gonna yeah, <laughs> help and, each other And that's the thing, isn't it? Is that like each of our brunches we just have like a really nice group of people. I wake up on a Monday morning smiling, literally. Yeah, like a nice group of people that are really positive and are just there for every, you know, there yeah. for each other. Um they just come there because to have a good time too, as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so we we got through it and it was really great, and we had really great chats. We know. did it focused on gender in the workplace. Yeah, gender in the workplace um, and being a female within your industry um, and kind of like how does that um, does being a female like affect you negatively or positively? I think we had a bit of both. Yeah, because the reason
0: like, because this week was Fish Week. So um, the company that we use for our fish is called Soul of Discretion. Yeah. And that is run by Caroline, who we had. And um, obviously, there's many, many, many more male fishermen than female. And she yeah, was she, explaining to us why she thought that was. And that was quite interesting, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. And she said she only had like, um, she only ever worked with one female fisherwoman, not a female, you know, a yeah. fisherwoman. Um, and... We thought it was quite fascinating and actually what it's like being in such a male-dominated industry. Um, and we said, what do you do when you tell them? Because you don't mm. tell fishermen what to do. <laughs> it's just it's just really fascinating. So hopefully you will all get stuff, um, get a bit of insight into each individual industry. We had um, a yoga teacher. We had a female chef. We had two chefs and you. Three chefs. Very chefy. <laughs> um, and, um, And we had a fashion designer and she talks about... Um, being a mum, and so does Alex from Moran Girls. They're both mums. So, we really talked about that kind of like gender inequality with that comes with that and all, like and whether you can strive in your
0: workplace at the same time as having a baby.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, we won't dig any more into that. Um, just because obviously you'll listen to the podcast and you're going to hear all about it. But, Tara, do you want to tell us about the food? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. A delicious dish.
0: So we started again with the Bloody Mary terrine, which hopefully is becoming a bit of a
1: signature. It, it may, it's not becoming, it is. It's good. People are posting that shit on Instagram. Recipe. Oh yeah, you changed it up. Yeah, and I think it's better. It's, it, was, it was better. We've, we're finessing it now. Yeah, exactly. Finessing it, it's great. So Bloody Mary
0: terrine, which you can add your own vodka and horseradish and Liam Perrins and all that kind of stuff to it. And then the main dish, we wanted to use fish, from Solar Discretion, and she said to us, it'd be really great if you could use fish that isn't so commonly used in Britain, because what we do is we're overfishing, cod, haddock, mackerel, et because people are used to it, they feel comfortable cooking it, and they just buy that again and again and again, mm. instead of using all these fish um, that are there that are also as delicious, including pollock, pouting, and dogfish. So I went for using pollock, absolutely delicious white fish, you can treat it the same as sort of cod and haddock and stuff. And I was thinking how to serve fish early on in the morning. So I went and did a kedri. And I'd never had a kedri
1: before. I couldn't say the word. What did I you keep kept calling, calling it? You a kedri. A Kedigry. Kedigry. Like pedigree. Like <laughs> no, I. <laughs> I was like, so we will be eating a
0: pedigree today. Um, and also because no. of the Economy pink eggs, it worked really well because kedri is often served with eggs. It looked beautiful. And coriander yoghurt. I made these little butters because going back to that 70s theme of having moulds and jellies and stuff, I made a tamarind and chive butter and set it in these little ice cube trays that you pop yeah, out. Yeah, you just mixed
1: it all in together. Yeah.
0: Fucking so delicious. So then you melt the
1: butter on top of your kedgeree oh. and mix it all
0: around. And no, I'm I thinking use, about it
1: again. I want to eat it again. Oh, it's really good. It's
0: very moorish and also great colours using turmeric again to make the rice nice and bright. Um, dehydrated pink pickled red onions so i was thinking i wanted fried onions on top but to keep the pink color instead of deep frying them i dehydrated them in the oven so you get that crunch as well Mm. so cold hot crunchy it's
1: delicious delicious i literally want to meet again it was so good and we used your really cool lettuce bowls yeah very into the lettuce cabbage leaf bowls they are a bit of a weakness of mine so they vintage crockery is a weakness of mine it's a
0: bowl that looks like it's made out of cabbage leaves.
1: Yeah. Um and it just looked really good in there. In the rice looked really good in that bowl. Um and that's what it's all about, really. The aesthetics. Really good aesthetics that tastes food that would food that tastes really good. Yeah and really it really It was just really cool to use a fish that I don't normally use as well. Yeah, I've never eaten pollock before, you know. I don't even think is that how I say it, Pollock, mm. yeah. I don't even think I've ever seen it in a shop. It was quite it it's so fascinating hearing her talk about um how fish are farmed. Yeah. And and the oh, it's oh the awful. amazing thing that they do is, you know, you get you find out who fought, who caught it, what day it was caught, what boat it was caught and on. Actually bringing it back to knowing where your
0: food comes from. You know, I know everyone talks about it all the time, but it's really important.
1: Yeah. Really, really important. And the fact that they freeze it I'm not gonna tell you too much in fact. Yeah, I because think it's all on the it is all in the podcast. Um So, like, without further ado, I'm going to let everyone introduce themselves. Um, Stick around to the end just to hear about future things that we're going to be doing with the economy. Enjoy!
2: Hi, I'm Mary Benson. I'm a women's wear designer specialising in sustainable fashion. Um, I'm also a working mum. I'm a full-time mum. So I have to fit my work around my little boy. Hi, I'm
3: Abby. I run Supply Yoga, which is a social business uh, yoga studio based here in East London. Hi, my name's Tally, um, and I am working as
4: a freelance chef.
5: Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Bennett. I'm the founder of Soul of Discretion. Uh, we're a community interest company of fishermen um, based down in
6: Plymouth in Devon. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm the co-founder of a girl pal baking brand called Meringue Girls.
1: So thank you all for coming, I hope you enjoyed your food. Um, So the main chat today, what we wanted to talk about was kind of gender in the workplace and um, how we all feel about being females within our industries. Um, So first of all, Caroline, am Mm. I correct in saying that all of the fishermen you work with are
5: male? Uh, On the fishing side, yes. Although the first boat I ever went out with was actually a daughter and dad.
1: Oh, boat. really? Oh. She was the
5: first and last that I've ever known.
1: <laughs> so why do you think there are not more female fishermen? Is it just because of the practicality of the job?
5: Um, I mean, there's it, it is obviously an incredibly demanding, physically demanding job. Yeah. You know, it really, really is. So I think there's a lot of that in it. And then I think there's also that sense that it's... Um, you know, it's the last hunter-gatherer thing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of primordial in that sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, women would have been at home cooking it and nurturing it when it came back, but it was the boys that were out there.
1: Mm. I feel like hunting it's... Hunting um, and gathering it. It's so, it's so interesting because we had um, a female farmer and um, then actually so we, she was saying, oh, a lot of the technologies now within the farming industry means that she can still... Be she can be a farmer and do the physical jobs, but is is there not that kind of more technical? You know, you know,
0: do you, what do I mean? She was saying that because of all the machinery now, you know, Knocking a woman a can, can drive a tractor easy. basically. She's not yeah. actually ploughing the fields by hand. But I think being on a boat and fishing is, especially
5: if they're doing hand, it's because it's all by lawn. hand. It's a, I mean, you're, you're hauling big bits of equipment mm. around. It's, it's, it, it's physical, you know, there's no doubt about it. No, and it's not very hard work. One. If you
0: get soaking wet, it's very early morning. I mean, you know, it doesn't sound the most appealing.
5: It's not social. Um, and if you have... So, for example, you're, you're completely governed by tide and by wind. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can look at your tide tables and know, well, OK, I'll have an opportunity to go out then. But that's not going to be saturday sunday that might be monday through wednesday when your children or whatever might be at school mm. so it's it, it's not even a regular job so there's probably okay. something in that yeah. that really makes it difficult as well and sometimes you'll be at home for three weeks with the weather with the weather being too windy to get out um Does that so make yeah it very
0: unpredictable with pay
5: totally yeah you don't get any pay at all if you haven't got fish in your boat mm. No, I mean, you're paying out, you're paying for the fuel, you're paying for the people on the boat with you, and if they don't haul anything, then that's a net loss for that for that catch. So it's inherently risky. Um, I don't think the risk necessarily puts women off, though. It wouldn't put me off, no. obviously, because I'm doing crazy things with <laughs> <isn't. laughs> yeah. it. Um, I don't think it's the risk. I think it's the, possibly the lack of regularity, definitely the physical aspect of it. But I also feel that there is this hunter-gatherer thing that, you know, is, is there somewhere. Do
0: you want to explain a bit about sole discretion?
5: Oh, so we are a community interest company. So we're a company that's there to make money out of fish, but it's owned by the community of the fishers that land to it. Um, we are only governed by the scale of the boat. So we're taking boats that are 10 metres or, or smaller, um, and they don't they don't damage the marine environment in the same way that maybe a big industrial trawler might So I was really trying to help people make um, decisions about, okay, I want to, I know about this problem in the seas. How do I, I still want to eat fish. How do I go about doing it? And Mm -hmm. making it really easy for people to make that switch. Um, So yeah, they're all small scale boats. They have static nets, handliners, and some of them are trawlers, light trawlers as well. because of the weathers and the tides, we have to freeze the fish sometimes. So we blast freeze it. It goes down from two to minus two really, really fast. So the water uh-huh. crystals don't damage the flesh. Um, and if you're not accepting, if you, want, if you decide that you only want to buy environmentally less damaging fish, then really accepting that sometimes it's going to be frozen is the only way. Because they should, simply don't get out with the continuity. And you were saying speed. with that blind
0: tasting, people mm. chose
5: what's interesting today I don't think that pollock tasted as pollocky as sometimes it does and it's because it wasn't frozen right and it hasn't got that um flakiness to it it's just yeah. very fresh yeah which in some dishes is lovely and it was delicious today but sometimes you have an idea about how fish should taste and it's actually these big white flakes
1: that you get in a fish and they're fish always, finger. Frozen. <laughs> yeah. always frozen yeah <laughs> and what what does it do to the fish then If they if you do freeze it um,
5: it doesn't, so it doesn't, it, it 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 changes the texture slightly, so it makes it less soft. You know, it's, it's got, it's, it's, okay. it's more kind of flaky, it's less, um, I mean, to use the word mushy isn't good when you're talking about a fresh fish, but if you work with fresh fish, they can be really mushy. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's got that flakiness and it's, it's, um it's got a slightly less sweet taste to it which again is a very subtle taste and it tastes more more of fish more how i expect fish to taste
1: and how do you find um being a female and running and managing all these men
5: oh my goodness you don't you don't even go around trying to manage fishermen (laughs) that's that's such an oxymoron. No, you don't manage fishermen. Nobody manages fishermen. That's why they're out there. Okay. So all you can do is lure them by <laughs> like showing them your. You know, you've got their name, and they kind of go when they first see that pack with their name and their boat name on it. They go, Oh, I well, like that. Oh, that's nice. nice. Okay. And it it gives them a sense of pride.
6: Mm.
5: You know, because otherwise that's they could be yeah they could be doing things. They could be icing the fish, gutting the fish, really taking care of the fish, not to bruise it, and then they get it on the market. And it could be getting exactly the same treatment as the beam patrol caught fish. So there's no incentive for them to treat their fish any better.
0: Right.
5: So this gives them, you know, they see their name on the pattern and they go, oh,
0: yeah.
5: And that's lovely. That's real positive, positive feedback stuff.
1: Um, so,
5: yeah.
1: Um, do you, like, being a female within that industry, do, do you ever feel like, challenge a lot of the talk that we've had today like while we've been eating is like that kind of like how females like deprivate is that the right word yeah like deprivate each other do you find that working with lots of men you feel less confident or do you think it doesn't really matter
5: um i think i've drawn my enthusiasm and motivation from doing this by looking through the slow food connections through okay. slow fish at um, the way we used to fish you know when we weren't environmentally damaging mm. when we weren't um, depleting things to the last last fish left on the sea um, and that was when the men and the women folk were far more integrated so the men would go out fishing but as soon as they came back it was the woman that took charge and the women take the fish, they gut the fish, they preserve the fish, they dry the fish, they put it to market, they cook it. Um, so for me, it's almost going back to a time when industry was on the scale of people. You know, it was in, yeah. it was on the scale of a, of a size that we could all understand our really important role in every single part of that chain. Whereas now it's a big industrial boat Nobody has any first inkling that if they do this this way, it'll make any difference to the end product. So there's it's it's that disconnect through the chain.
1: Mm. And
5: I think all I'm doing is going back in time
1: and so just going back to like what we're good at as humans. I'm like actually as humans, yeah. And
5: just, that's what's li- missing with this economy, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah.
1: It's, well, we, and we have talked about that on previous um, brunches. That kind of like how development back. can actually be a backward step.
0: Mm. you know yeah like, oh, we can do it faster we can do it quicker we can do it like this it's actually so we don't necessarily
5: need to do it faster and quicker you know we almost certainly don't in most of the occasions and yeah. if you do it faster and quicker and you're striving for these so-called efficiencies it's often at the detriment of certainly people in their jobs and self-worth mm-hmm. but quite clearly at the detriment of the oceans because everybody wants to eat cod and haddock and salmon and tuna and prawns, and nobody wants to eat pouting or pollock or rats or ling or mm-hmm. gurnard or mussels. So we, we we try and drive this efficiency through saying, well, we want these five species. We all know what we can do with these. They come in huge volumes, and then you discard everything else that comes up with these poor fish. Do you? What do you think we can do to change that? Is it education, or just putting chefs putting fish? that aren't the favourite five on their menus and using them. And haven't chefs done brilliantly at that. You know, really, London chefs are so proud of themselves. They have tried, have they? They have really, really tried, and it's made such a difference. And that's where I try to put my effort, because people do get it, and then they go, OK, well, I won't have cod or had it tonight, or salmon. I'll have one of these weird fish that you're telling me about pouting or ling, but I couldn't find it. Like, my supermarket doesn't have it. Mm. And that's the problem. So it's making that... We're all sheep, so we'll follow what, you know, what everyone
1: else is doing. So, Tally, and it says this applies to you Tara. Like, as female chefs, like, how does that... Do you find that really hard to work in a really, like, male-dominated industry? I know that we've talked... Me and Tara have talked about this before, of... um, like sometimes it can actually work in your favor because a lot of people at the minute want to hire female chefs
4: yeah Um, i mean i've been lucky enough to go into kitchens that have quite high female um, presence Mm. um but you know it is an environment where that is you know male-led so um i was you know saying earlier that i'm quite a sort of loud woman so it's sort of the, the kitchen does bring out that kind of loud side of me, that I'm not, you know, I'm not maybe that way as much in my personal life. Um, um, and so sometimes I feel a little bit, you know, I'll go home after a day at work and think, oh God, why was I so pushy and loud and almost, you know, bratty? But I think sometimes that it's hard to kind of get the results you know, to get what you want, to, to achieve something without sort of putting your foot down and, and and being quite bold. Um So I wonder how it would be for somebody who isn't naturally um, But then do you loud? not
1: think that it's so interesting <laughs> that you kind of said that in a negative way, that like being pushy yeah. is a negative yeah. thing. Yeah, and it's, right. so, it's so, why do we think that that is a well, negative thing? As a woman, it, as a of, woman it can totally, feel like that. Yeah, totally.
4: And you're right, you're so right. Even I've just sort of walked into that myself Um...
1: it is it is really strange that like we do think that like being confident and you know being pushy is a negative thing but it it's not is it like they maybe I think I think it can be quite
4: obviously it's quite abrupt for a guy to experience me when I'm in pushy mode I suppose (laughs) and then for other women I think if especially if they're not that way I think it they kind of look at me and you know I've had people say I've never met anyone like you before you know and I'm not sure but you can only be who you are um
1: yeah and you even said um earlier that what the person made the comment (laughs) well
4: that you know a a guy said to me well you're pretty hardcore for a girl
1: (laughs) it was it's like why a girl's not hardcore like can we not work as
4: hard as you like well we can and I think in a weird way what this guy was trying to say was that he was witnessing all the women that were working for this particular project I was on, and they were all kind of going for it almost harder than the guys. Mm. And maybe that's something that shouldn't really be noticed because we're just people, you know, getting on with it. Mm. Um, but that this person, this guy, had maybe expected that the girls would be a bit more sort of prissy about it and a bit weaker, I suppose. And um, but we weren't. And yeah. you know, in a way, I was sort of offended by what he said, but I then sort of went away and felt a little bit proud that. Someone noticed that we were all so hardcore, you know, <laughs> so like which one's the right one, but um, yeah.
1: And you've definitely said before that like you find that
0: being a woman, um, there was there's two times when I've done child shifts at restaurants, and you know, they've basically said afterwards, When do you want to start? And I don't think that's because I could cook, that was from the very mm-hmm. beginning, you know. And they were like, We've got we just we it's five men, we, we really like having a female in the kitchen, they say it, um sort of balance conversation. And mm. um, when I go on holiday at the restaurant I used to work at, I'd come back and they'd go, oh, thank God you're back. You know, the level of testosterone, the competitiveness, the conversation, everything, it just got a bit competitive and, you know, comparing how many hours they'd worked and all that kind of stuff. And they just, you know, it's not like I was telling them not to talk about it. I just think mm. you are aware of who's
6: around you. Mm.
1: Um, so Alex, do you think that, like, so obviously Moran Girls is quite a feminine or f- feminine, is that the right word? Feminine branded company. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, which is not a bad thing. Got girls in the title. Yeah. yeah. Girls the title. Do you think, so one of the things that we found really hard um, when we've been doing this branch is, and this project that we started is finding female-run businesses. Right. And... Um, and it, you can. It has, sometimes takes quite a lot of research to find out who founded a company, mm. um, and women not shouting about the fact that they run a company. Yeah. But <clears throat> so, do you find that actually being your branding and being females mm. has helped you to become so successful? So I feel like you've got a lot of girls that rally around you and really support you.
6: Yeah. I mean, I think we. I mean. Yeah, so we start. We started from nothing. We basically were working in a kitchen mm. and scheming of ways to get out. And I think we really shared our journey from the start on social media of just being two girls trying to get out of our male-dominated lives and trying to kind of carve out a job that we enjoyed and that we could, you know, starting up our own thing was really important to us. And I think people have followed our journey and we've picked up an amazing kind of tribe of people throughout that journey and they actually a lot of them are very similar to us they are other women trying to start up their own thing um people trying to do baking businesses whatever but um yeah it's they've really supported us and I think that's mm. yeah it's been really important I
1: mean I don't necessarily I don't feel like this but do you I don't know do you find that some women can be competitively because obviously like so say like another baking company like mm. contacted you like do you feel like then that's competitive or a like or not so much I know that's that's I almost know, yeah. a bit of a cuz it's hard at, to at the work start with...
6: we were like really aware of kind of copycat brands or anything mm. like that and it was re- it was a real like decision to not be um, catty or bitchy back to them but to kind of help them out and yeah because
1: you're so helpful and so lovely and so amazing I think it's one of the qualities that I love about you the most it's like how amazing you are
6: yeah and I think that really is the essence of girl power within business is um finding people that are really in your same field and giving them the skills that and all knowledge that you've got and helping them out because there is enough space for everyone um as long as they're not completely
1: doing the exact same thing. They can do it in another country. Let's do it in another country, it's fine. Um, So, Abby, do you think um, gender plays a role in your industry? Because we said before, there are not, well, you were telling me before, there are not actually that many males within the Uh, yoga. I
3: think there are more and more, but I think yoga is generally represented by and marketed to a very small group of people, just full stop, regardless of gender. Well, yes, women, but also, more specifically, wealthy white women, who are tall and skinny and standing on the beach for some reason, always on a beach doing a,
1: doing. It those, the, do really splits.
3: No, people really do yoga on know. the beach! <laughs> I don't <just>, know! How they they live their lives? Like, I don't know. I feel i like, so grateful. Like, yeah. I see a lot Is of people even,
6: doing yoga in the park. It's like quite <laughs> difficult to yoga on sand
3: anyway? I imagine so i yeah. never get the chance myself but, um, <laughs> so yeah i think it's particularly um it's a sort of available to a small number of people full stop um, why
1: is that why is it why do you think it's
3: not it's not marketed in more of an inclusive way because it's a sort of multi-billion pound industry that is catering for people that have money to spend on it i suppose mm. i mean regardless of the fact that it's a universally beneficial tool to reduce anxiety and tackle which sort means of, that
1: everyone would want it right?
3: right yeah so it tackles sort of um the increasing number of sort of everyday mental health concerns that pretty much everyone is handling especially people who are sort of in our generation more and more and these days people are more and more open about dealing with those things and more willing to address them themselves Mm. and without perhaps relying on clinical support. So yes, it should be possible that everyone feels, well, it should be possible that everyone can afford to go to a class, you know, relatively speaking. Mm. Um, But aside from that, it should be possible that everyone feels comfortable in an environment where they are allowed to nourish their mental health. Or reduce their anxiety or just have a stretch and have an hour off from worrying about the future mm. and worrying about the past and um, but sadly that isn't the case at the moment mm-hmm. because well probably and I wouldn't be- because of uh, money yeah. because it's more beneficial to big business owners to market to the people that have the time and money to spend on very expensive services, yeah. which is we're at the opposite end of the scale uh, here in Whitney.
1: Yeah. Do you find Do you find that you, because um, one conversation that we've had is that some you can have a space that is open to everyone, but then the like you just said, people don't feel like they can come. So maybe like a man, for instance, mm. um, wouldn't feel like they could come into that space. Do you think you have that problem? yeah for sure um
3: i think of of the lots of studios that are popping up we because of the way that we a we're, we're we we're an accessible studio in 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 the sense that it's affordably priced i mean yeah. not you know again relatively speaking i get that not everybody has even a tiny piece of um disposable income to spend on anything mm. extra but relatively speaking it's affordable but it's also designed to be accessible in the way that we talk about yoga and the way that we deliver it um we don't ostracize people by um, making it all about sort of um super dynamic you must have a six pack and wear nike latest whatever it's not that but it's also not highly spiritual and ostracizing to people that don't necessarily identify with that side of things as well. There's sort of this big gap in the middle for just like us, who might yeah, just like, want to go and have an hour to like, for themselves.
1: Mm. Um, so, So if you're a man and you're listening, you need to go to... Get down you there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's
0: like doing mindfulness as well, isn't it? It's just taking the time. Even those apps and stuff, it's 10 minutes a day and people can't find the time for 10 minutes, to mm. so just sit, and take a deep breath and think about their day, you know?
3: Yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting how so we work we spend the profits that we make at the studio on sending a yoga or mindful practices practitioner out to work with um community support services that are already up and running so when people buy a class at the studio we use that money to send somebody out to work with people living with long-term health conditions that's amazing people that are um, dealing with a cancer, cancer diagnosis or dealing with the complications around HIV diagnosis or just teenagers that are like um, doing a stint in a residential mental health unit, for example. Yeah. So let alone the people that have the capacity to download an app mm. and decide, I haven't got 10 minutes for that. The change that you see in people, men, yeah. women the the diverse range of people that we work with, when you ask them to sit down for ten minutes in stillness, take a deep breath, and just see how you're feeling without even moving or doing yoga, inverted commas as you know it, is quite um, a remarkable thing to see. Asking people to sort of drop their shoulders down and then yeah. going, oh my god, I yeah. can't remember the last time I took a deep breath. Actually, yeah. you know, it's quite amazing. So yeah, we try and where well, A, we need to make as much money as possible so we can do as much of that as possible. But we try and make the studio as accessible as possible and inclusive and available to people that don't traditionally feel like they belong in that space. Mm. That's the aim of the game. Sounds fantastic. It. Yeah, it does sound like mm. it. I'm going to come down. Oh yeah, please <laughs> do. Everyone. I'm going to come down, I'm definitely. Down.
1: definitely. For sure. Um, so the final question, um, and I don't. It's a bit of a random, but it's almost random. But then I don't think it is. Um, in terms of gender, so Alex and Mary, you obviously both have children. Mm. I don't. Do you have children as well, Caroline? No, mm. neither do you guys do. You? Mm-hmm. Um. So you both have children. How do you find, um, being a mum and managing like, a working environment, and do you find that your partners have maybe like the same issues as you or are you guys just how do you find Yeah, Mary how do you find being
2: um do you mean in terms of me working and my partner working
1: yeah in terms of that or just how do you do you find that having a kid like because it is something that we talk so we talked about in a previous podcast we talked about how one of the main reasons why a lot of women actually don't progress in business is because Mm. they have children Mm. and then I mean it does become a real problem with childcare. Um, but then you both do still have bin- businesses and have kids. And yeah. obviously, the world doesn't end at a kid. And mm. it does change it a little bit. Um, but I don't know, how, did you fi- how do you find like having a kid and, and well, running a business?
2: Well, because I'm still breastfeeding. Mm. Um, and my little boy's 19 months now. Um, I've pretty much had to be the sole carer. Do you know, so yeah. I can't really... Yeah, I mean, I had I had a little go of like going to work, and it, I was just so tired that I literally just couldn't. I just I did three days, and I just I was just like, no, I'm
3: not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> but and then and now you've so started. Now it? you've started,
1: but that's you know yeah. that's it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's also yeah. like noticing that you need to take some time off is yeah. is fine. But now you have started doing stuff again.
2: Yeah, well, I think. It's weird, like, I've actually figured out how to be a mum and how to work at home, at this, you know, at the same mm. time. So it's kind of it's really difficult, but it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of working for me at the moment.
1: I mean, there's not and much time. It's about time. finding what works for you.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah. But then um, with my partner, he, we've got a couple of pubs and he has to literally go to work. Like, he can't really work from home. He does sometimes, but it's kind of really hard for him to, you know, to do that. Um, and so we do get, yeah, we do get a bit like, um, whose business is sort of more important, but I guess, yeah, we try not to, we try not to sort of get like that because it is easy to fall into that pit of, you know, get a little bit bickery about it. But, um, I think, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm kind of all right working at home and looking after Zephy, but... I do need to get childcare soon. I think money's a big thing, you know, like...
1: It's so um, expensive, isn't it? It's
2: so
0: expensive.
2: You either don't get yeah.
0: childcare and do look after your son, or you need to work double as hard to, be able to afford mm. the yeah, childcare. Sometimes. Yeah,
6: sometimes. Well, especially with Indy, I was going to work to pay the nanny, and it was just like, but yeah. Yeah, actually sometimes I just needed that headspace to go in anyway, so it was yeah. worth it. Yeah.
2: Oh, my gosh, I actually ended up... Um, when when I did go go out to work because I wanted that headspace I was like right I'll I'm gonna go and do um do a bit of styling because I used to do styling before and I styled um a kids a uh, kids wear shoe. <laughs> surrounded <laughs> by children just, oh my god it was just. <laughs> Not the right sort of time out. You know? No, no.
1: <laughs> I'm like, going to have time out please. from my child and send it to it's it with more children. Yeah.
2: I and I thought it was a really good idea at the time. I was like, yeah. this is an amazing idea because, you know, I've got a kid. So, <laughs> like, I'll just go and do this and I'll, I'll smash it. But actually, I was literally like, oh, cat, I just need, I need actually a bit of, if I'm going to do a, another job, it needs to be something that's actually sort of easy (laughs) or like you know a bit more zen in a way where it's not as sort of mentally and physically um overbearing because I think that comes with being a a working mum that if you are the one that is the main um carer of the child you actually it's not just the physical sort of tiredness that you're feeling it's kind of that mental tiredness so it's like both whereas I think that um like I think this is kind of the thing I always feel that when my partner goes to work, he does. He's exhausted with work. I feel like he's not had to deal with um, the sort of <laughs> mental exhaustion
1: um, of having yeah, it as exhausti- well.
2: yeah. Because it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of sort of um, emotional, um, sort of.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of emotional yeah. work as well is, yeah. as, as well as like work yeah. work.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm so, trying to find a balance. How did you find it, Alex? Like going... Back to work after
6: you've had kids. I mean with Indy was five years ago, so Moran Girls was still kind of in its infancy and I felt like I needed to go in quite soon after. I didn't really have much maternity leave. So I was taking her into the bakery, sitting with desk breastfeeding, passing her around. Um, and it was just mega stressful. The juggle was just too much and I felt like I wasn't really wasn't really focusing on anything. It was really hard. But we do have a great team. Um, And that's what's allowed me to have two kids while still building the business. Um, And I think the fact that I've kind of, the fact that I have kept Moran going so much and I've continued on the path um, is because it's it's building a business that works around having kids. It is that flexibility um, that I need. Um,
1: Yeah. Well, it is. It's that kind of, I think a lot of women actually create, themselves jobs or do a job that will help them have the lifestyle that they want exactly yeah. um, I,
6: I mean That's when yeah when I was when we were building up we we're like yeah this is going to be like a million pound business we're going to franchise we're going to blah, blah blah and we've we've I just kind of thought no actually I want to I want to level it off just because it is now a lifestyle business that is funding. A funding our family and working around yeah. just about how much i can give that is amazing
1: mm-hmm. that like as a female you get, you've been able to do that and you and for you mary as well that yeah. you've been able to you know create a job and um, and it now that you can you know you can have your job and have their i think it always is a journey mm. but just finding that balance is good thanks for listening um, we've had quite a lot of messages about future events and so this week we will be releasing dates for our future events at the Economy. It's very exciting on our new flashy website. Yeah, so um, head over to our website to find out more about our supper clubs. Keep up to date with the Instagram and what we're doing, just so you can, you know, we're going to have loads of events coming up just so you can keep up to date, really.
0: And also, if you want to buy any food from or find out any more information about anyone that came to our brunch club or supplied
1: food for it, all their details are in the description the description yeah of the podcast and we are working on a directory of food and drink um, and female-led food and drink businesses for everyone because it has been asked for by a lot of people so we will be working on that so yeah just keep an eye out for everything and listen next time wait 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 we didn't tell you what our website address was yeah so it's the Vagonomy as well. Oh, you need to know if you've not been on it yet. <laughs> yeah. It's Um Check it out, guys. You can sign up to our newsletter on there. That's where you're going to be able to keep up to date with everything. Bye.